0: <laughs> if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11am for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are on Bump and Beyond, and I am your host, Yulandi Becker, and as always, very happy to join you today and excited for today's show. It's been a bit of a bumpy ride, and today I feel like I have two very, let me say three very pressing, because there's one additional one that added my pressing issues to discuss with you. The first one, the cold. I really hope it is passing very soon, this cold, because I am really not built for cold. I don't know who decided this was a good idea, but I am freezing and I want warm. Luckily, we're in August. Can you believe it? So soon spring will start and the warmth will come back. So let me know if you're just like me, not enjoying the cold. The other two topics that I want to discuss today are more serious topics. One specifically a lot more serious than the other, and the other one a little bit less serious, I guess. The first one, the more serious, pressing issue to discuss, and I would love to have your input on this, is, of course, the Barbie movie. (laughs) Have you guys seen it? Have you been to see it with a friend? Have you been to see it by yourself? Uh, I really want to go watch it. I've always been a giant, giant Barbie fan, to be honest, always. And my daughter is the same. But very shockingly, I realized, and this is why this is such an pressing issue for me, is that I realized there's a PG-13 age restriction On a Barbie kids movie. How is that even possible? Luckily, my daughter is like uh, close to 10. So I feel like, I mean, if we could watch Pirates of the Caribbean and if we can watch Marvel movies, I'm pretty sure Barbie will be fine. But have you watched it? So you couldn't watch it, obviously, with your four-year-old. I assume it's not age appropriate. I don't know. I would love to have your input on this. So, as always, join this chat. Um, you can of course SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 50, or you can send us a telegram on 010 140 3020. I would really love to have your input on this. Very pressing, like I said, pink Barbie movie. I mean, you can't not know that there is a Barbie movie because I think there's been a pink explosion on every I this is marketing next level. They have for sure brainwashed more of us than should be allowed. But um, it's also fun. Why not have some brain dead? Is that the right word? Brain dead kind of entertainment um, and enjoy it. I'm for sure, like I said, um, planning on watching it this coming weekend with my daughter. But like I said, I, before I do that, I would love to have your input. Is it Is it okay for me to take her? I don't know. If you've seen it, let me know. I would love to know if it's okay for a 9, 10-year-old to go watch this movie. If not, I don't know. She might actually physically kill me if I don't take her. Then on to the the next pressing issue, and this is less serious than the Bobby movie. It is COVID. (laughs) Um, The the reason why I'm I'm bringing it up is that I was actually sick with both my kids last week. With COVID. Can you believe it? I actually thought it was gone. I mean, I guess I didn't think it was gone, but I really could not believe it. Um, that we had COVID. Um, and to be honest, I'm not so shocked about the fact that we had COVID. my, maybe you are. My, my doctor was pretty um, shocked because there's so many viruses going around that I chose to have that. Who believed that, who could have believed that that would happen? But. Um, very interestingly, um, for me, like while I was sick, I was wondering how is it that I now have COVID and why did no one tell me to have your, uh, vaccine for it? <laughs> I had the flu vaccine. I've had the COVID vaccine back in the day when COVID was still, um, I don't know, a thing. I guess it's still a thing, obviously, because I had it, but, um, when it was still popular to have COVID, <laughs> I had it. And finally, then I obviously had my vaccine and we had it. And I do have to say my my uh, symptoms were very mild. This time around, I was so sick. And then I was like thinking, I had the flu vaccine. And no one actually reminded me. I mean, I guess I'm an adult. I could have reminded myself That I should go for the COVID vaccine. Have you been for it? Again, another pressing issue that I need input on. So if you have been for the COVID vaccine or you forgot, like me, to do it, will you go for it again? Should we be going for it again? Is there – I mean, luckily for me today, uh, my my guest today might be able to answer this question. Um, That's kind of how I'm segueing into this discussion today. Um, because in the end of the day, I'm not sure, maybe she can't because she's in a, at a baby clinic, but I was just wondering if we should be doing this and not. But today specifically, we are talking about baby checkups, not necessarily adult checkups, even though those are also important. Um, this is a baby show. This is a parenting show. And today, of course, we are talking about taking your baby for a checkup. So we've in the past... And if you've missed it, in the past, we have discussed this: the checkups with a pediatrician, going to your pediatrician, why you need to get checkups at the pediatrician. But then there's also these wellness checkups that we can go for, and of course, vaccinations as well, at baby clinics, which has a added function on the PED. I mean, sometimes I don't know about you. My personal experience was that with my pediatrician, he basically checked the most important, th- I mean, maybe not the most important, but he checked, like, the highlights or the most important things that was related to the health of my baby. And it was a very quick kind of check. I never felt that it was very long. And I had the absolute opposite experience with my clinic nurse. And I that woman, I felt so bad for her. Um, Donkey. <laughs> Thank you for her. Because that was, like, for me... The biggest thing was the the fact that she would listen to everything. My complaints about my baby not sleeping, not eating, fevers, sickness, me feeling not nice, me being angry at my husband. I mean, that poor clinic sister. So thank you for her. I completely blanked out who my clinic sister was. It's, it is 10 years ago, so it's it's allowed that I forgot. It's probably going to come to me during this show. But today I have the great privilege to be joined by Sister Adalda Bia. She's a clinic sister at Cluiff Hospital here in Pretorium. and But she's also been a, like a midwife for over 20 years. Another reason to maybe get her back on the show eventually to talk about that as well. Um, and cl- currently she's doing antenatal classes, breastfeeding support, and of course the Wild Baby Clinic with immunizations. And as all my guests who come on the show... Also the mother of four. Hello Adal.
2: How are you Lundy? How are you?
1: Fine and you. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening first of all to all my ramblings about my COVID.
2: <laughs> no, it's fine. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. I hope you're, um, and ready for this discussion. Um, it's been, like I said, for me, you guys are these uh, clinic sisters uh, are like a like a godsend because you guys are like psychologists, clinic sisters, baby experts, sleep experts, feeding experts, psychologists. I don't know. You're like a combination of a lot of things.
2: <laughs> yeah, we try to help, so. Um
1: And we uh, really, really appreciate your help. And I can't wait to get into this the discussion just now.
0: This is Bump and Beyond with Yulandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: If you've just joined me, you are on 101.9 High This is Bump and Beyond, and I am your host, Yulandi Becker. I've just made the very public disclaimer that I had COVID. I'm not even sure. I remember back in the day, it was very frowned upon. If you told people you had COVID, I did not have the same experience this time around, luckily. Didn't feel like I had to be, I mean, I did isolate, of course, but, um, it was a very different kind of experience. But again, like I said today, we are specifically talking about checkups with our babies and why it's important to go to checkups and, um, vaccinations and those type of things. So joining me today is, um, Sister Adalda Beer and she is mother of four. Um Adele, like I said, I've, before we get into the wellness checkups, should I have gone for my COVID vaccine?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you should have. Um, you get, um, I mean, in the beginning we used to give um, two dosages and then there's a booster. Um, although I know they're busy working on a new strain, so maybe we'll get um, n- more information on that Um but, yeah, they is still available, so you can still um, get your COVID vaccine.
1: Yeah, see, I feel like the the, the person at the DSKIM clinic, when I went for my flu vaccine, she could have said, hey, don't you want a COVID booster? And she didn't. But I'm blaming her, and I should actually just blame myself.
2: <laughs> Yeah,
1: like you say. yeah, I am an adult, so I should have thought about, about it myself, but now I'm pr- pretty immune after my week of illness, oh, um, so I feel like very confident you. at the moment. <laughs> Great. Let's get into it, Adal. Thank you again. Like I said, first of all, thank you to you and everyone in your profession. I really feel like you make parenting for us so much easier and um so first of all thank you for that um but now i want to f- start off with let's start with why is it important that parents go for these checkups
2: okay so i think first of all if we can just maybe um discuss the different types of clinics that you do get because yes, people just that. exactly. that's what, like
1: a good point
2: yeah just that people know what's out there so you get um government clinics And then you get, um, private clinics that's got access to government stock and or your government uh, vaccines and so forth. And then you get also private clinics that's got access to none of those. So depending on which one you attend, that's what's going to determine which um, service you're going to get. But if you go, for instance, to a government clinic, all the staff that's working at these clinics are registered nurses, which qualify, which extra studied in um, community nursing. So, and primary healthcare, so if you, for instance, go to a, a private clinic, then the nurses there would do all the checkups, and they've also got the authority to, you know, prescribe and check for um, tonsillitis and athritis media and all of that, and then they've got access to a limited of um, certain um, medicine that they can give you. And if they feel there is a need for a doctor appointment, then usually once a week, there's a doctor that visits this government clinic. Then they would give you an appointment to, to actually see this doctor. Um, so that's basically, and all of that is obviously for free. So it works on a first-come, first-of basis. They usually open from 8 to 4. Um, and there's in most areas, there's um, government clinics. So you go and you sit in a, in a row and you wait for your, for your turn. Then, if we talk about private clinics, um, most of your private clinics that's um, affiliated or stationed at a a hospital, a private hospital, they usually um, have access to um, government um, vaccines. The reason being is especially for your polio um, drops that they need to get um, at birth, the babies, and also the BCG for tuberculosis, which is also compulsory from the government side. So... Then you usually just pay your consultation and you see the the um, sister at the, the private clinic um, and the vaccines are for free. There is a, a schedule that needs to be followed. That's the EPI according to the government um, and that's the basic schedule that we give everyone. So the vaccines are for free in a private clinic. You're just going to pay the consultation fee. And then if you look at... Um, Private vaccines, there is private options as well, that we actually just slot in between these um, government appointments, if I can call it that, with government um, vaccines. And those are obviously optional. And then those you can claim back from your medical aid if you've got a savings account. Vaccines usually gets paid by a savings account on your medical aid. And then there's also private clinics that's um, usually not at a hospital um, where the nurses has got access to everything, but everything is private. So um, then obviously the cost is much more, but it doesn't mean the stock is different or, you know, better or anything like that. No. So depending on which one you attend is the service that you're going to get.
1: Okay. And at your specific, because you now specifically are, I mean, at a hospital, what can yes. the mom expect if she comes in for a visit uh, what can she expect when she comes for the first visit or for any yeah. visit
2: <laughs> okay, all right, so basically when the mom comes to the clinic um we it's a very holistic approach, so we take the baby from head to toe to see um you know is everything okay and Weigh the baby and measure the baby and measure the circumference and just ask a lot of questions. Like you said, it's very realistic of how's the baby eating? How's the baby sleeping? You know, all those things that we can help you, help you with. Um, so that's basically what they can expect. And then obviously, um, also get their vaccinations. That's due.
1: Yeah. How long does a visit normally take? <laughs>
2: Um, depends on what we do, but usually it's half an hour. We usually book half an hour. Um, and then if there's more advice needed, especially regarding breastfeeding, for instance, then we would book an hour just oh. to have some extra time and just to, you know, because it's no use, you just um, give the vaccination and you can't actually discuss anything else. Because like you said, the mom actually wants a little bit more TLC and she wants to ask questions that she not necessarily can ask the the pediatrician, I mean, regarding more personal stuff and also with the baby. And then we also check for the milestone development and the gross motor. And, um, you know, see how they are developing and we need to refer if we need to refer to a physio or an occupational therapist. So it's a very holistic, um, approach.
1: Yeah. No, and I mean, like I said, for me, it, definitely this was one of my, I mean, we did not say favorite things because I was a hated taking my <laughs> child for a vaccination. I, and it's like, I mean, that's, a, I, I guess the mom's duty, um, in some ways because I remember then asking my husband, it's like every single time I'm like, I think next time you should take the baby because I really, I, I can't. It's, it's too traumatic for me. I can't. And then when it came to the date, I could not let him do it because I was like, I have to be there for my little one. I can't let him do it. I have to be there. So even though I didn't love that part of it, it's also just like five seconds and then it's over. So it also sounds good. No. No. <laughs> but it was a really a great opportunity and I remember I always came with a little list of all my questions and mm-hmm. things that I yeah. have yeah. <laughs> to <Yeah>. ask. <laughs> So no, I really, um, I really looked forward to those, um, like kind of visits just to check up. And I mean, for me, it was also important to to kind of, like you said, realize those development, um, milestones that need to happen. But why is it important that we check up on babies? And yeah, let's start with that before I say the importance of vaccines.
2: Okay, so I think, um, you know, it is important to, um, to take your child, like I said, that we can, um, you know, just check, um, everything. And also, I think, um, if what I like to do is actually to see them two weeks after birth, cause, um, just to see that the weight is fine. Because remember, after birth, the baby loses, um, 10%. It's normal for them to lose 10% of their birth weight, and they've got two weeks to pick it up again. So just to give the mom perspective, um, you know what, it's okay. The baby will pick it up, and they've got some extra stores, so don't stress about it, Um, and just to give a peace of mind. And then in that first two weeks when you weigh the baby, just to see are we close to it or do we need to supplement, do we need to adjust something, Um, and just to go through all the questions because things like hiccups. That's normal. And squinting, that's normal. It's things that parents don't know. And then you can literally go from ear to toe and swaddle the baby and put the nappy on and tell them about everything that's actually normal. And also with the um, BCG, for instance, because the BCG that they give in hospital just before the discharge, it actually grows and it looks like a pimple. And then it bursts open and that yellow content actually drains. And then it makes a, um, a scab and it falls off and it makes a, a mark. So usually parents forget that the nurse actually gave them the information. And then they get to eight or 10 weeks and they're like, Oh my goodness, what is this? Is this a spider bite? Oh,
0: um, goodness. and
2: it's just a DCG, which is quite normal, you know? So all yeah. of that to just, just to, um, recap everything and to tell them, you know what? Okay. So. Please look at this. Make sure you feed regular. Everything that we see that's maybe out of the normal that we can change a bit. Um, yeah, that's what we actually discuss. And I think that's why it's important to, you know, regular go that we can just see all of that.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you've just joined me, you are on 101.9 high FM. This is Bump and Beyond and we're always talking parenting. Um, and specifically today we are talking, um, checkups at the um, baby clinics and why it's important. Um, and if you would like to join us in this conversation, like I mentioned earlier, there's a couple of pressing questions I have today. So you need to start messaging me, telling me if it's okay to watch the Barbie movie. Have you been sick or had COVID lately? And if you have questions about taking your baby for a checkup, of course, I have Dr. Uh, Sister Adele de beer here today. Talking specifically about baby wellness checkups and why it's important and what happens during these checkups. So if you have pressing questions for her, please send it to us. You can send it on Telegram um, on 0618951019. You can of course also phone us on 010-140-3020 or SMS us at three four five one nine. SMSs are charged at one Rand fifty per SMS. Um Adal, you were now mentioning um, specifically also there was two questions that I wanted to ask now. The first one was like you mentioned babies lose weight um, after birth and um, it's important to weigh them. And that's something I also remember with these checkups that we regularly, obviously with every checkup, my, um, the clinic sister weighed my baby um, later on. Then, um, with my daughter, I remember someone actually gave me a scale, one of their old scales as a gift. So my question is why are we needing to regularly weigh our children or babies? And should we also be doing it at home or is the checkup sufficient?
2: Okay, so again, like I said, if you can get to your clinic system within the first 10 to 14 days after birth and we can get a baseline of what the baby weighs and see how close are they to, how close are are they to their, um, to their birth weight, um, then if she's, uh, she's fine with it, then I wouldn't stress about weighing the baby, um, regularly at home. I always say enjoy your baby and don't get analysis paralysis. Um, We don't need to cheat of everything and we don't need to plot everything. In the end, um, what your baby needs, your breast will make. And I always say God never makes a mistake. So you make what the baby needs. And as long as the baby sleeps well and picks up enough weight, then you don't need to know, for instance, how much milk your breast is actually making. So, um, if you just feed three hourly, it it will be fine normally. Okay. So, except if the if the if the um, clinic sister weighs the baby and she um, thinks there's maybe a problem, she will tell you. Okay, Mama, please come back in a week's time. Let's just see what happened in the next week. Especially maybe if you struggled with the breastfeeding and or she adjusted a little bit or asked you to give a top up. So, just that we see it's fine. So, usually what I say for, especially for the parents that's, um, living really far, like Alice Rast of Zimby or of you know, or on a farm that don't actually have access to, to, um, clinics, for instance, is I usually, um, guide them telephonically. And I always tell them, okay, so try and get, get me a scale and tell me how much your baby weighs so that I know what I'm working with. Um, so I always say the bare, bare minimum that they need to pick up in a week is 150 grams a week. Ideally, would be 180 to 250 um, grams a week. So that's the best So I've even had parents that went to the butcher and asked, can I please weigh my baby on the scale? This is now really on your you know, the Buddha that's living quite far or to the um veterinarian to ask, you know what, can I just come and please weigh my baby? Yeah. But most of the Buddha, the farmers have got scales because they measure a lot of stuff. So if you can just give me something to work with. So for those that really want to weigh their baby, that is what you can do. This is what you can do. But honestly, if you've... When for your first visit and the nurse was happy, then I can't see why you really have to stress about it constantly.
1: No, I, I remember now also now talking about the weighing I remember that I, uh, because also there's so many of um, clinics these days uh, where there's a scale available, like a disc chem, uh, um for instance, where you can just go in and weigh your baby on the scale. The nurse is not even going to charge you or anything if you do that more often than not. I remember at my um, discim clinic by us here in Olympus, they actually allowed me uh, they had this scale standing outside the clinic and you could just put your baby there and go away. And the only reason why I did it um, quite regularly at one point is because my baby had such severe reflux. And the only thing I always yeah. read was that... If your baby is gaining weight, you've got nothing to worry about. And so I was kind of fixated on the weighing and making sure he was gaining weight because he was projectile vomiting. But he was always gaining weight. But again, reflux is also a great another topic. Maybe if we have time (laughs) just now, we could go into that. But anyway... Um, What I want to know is how often do parents, because now we talked about that initial checkup, but how often do babies have to come for these checkups?
2: Okay, so with the EPI schedule, if you look at the basic schedule, it's the first one is obviously in hospital, they get vaccinated, and then it's six weeks, six to eight weeks, um, and then Four-week intervals, so it's six weeks, 10 weeks, 14 weeks, and then there's a little bit of gap. So six months, nine months, 12 months, and 18 months. That's the EPI schedule, the government schedule. Yes. Um, and then um, we only start putting um, private vaccines. We add it maybe at nine months. Um, and then we might see your baby more frequently, but the first three months, or from six weeks, at sixteen and fourteen weeks, so then we see them actually monthly, which is a good thing because then again, you know, we can pick up a lot of a lot of potential problems and also with the weighing. So, yeah, um, yeah that's a good, a good, um, yeah, you because know, after the two weeks, then we see you again at at six weeks.
1: No, I mean for me also personally again was it was such a great time uh, also you know it's like when you're pregnant as well you know um, i know like certain european countries for instance they don't so regularly do the checkups as what we do when we are pregnant but for myself i really enjoyed it just to you know kind of make sure that everything is okay and for me that's why these checkups on a monthly basis at the clinic was also really great because it was just also to, you know, I, I guess also for someone, because no one tells you you're doing a good job or anything when you're a mom. <laughs> so it was really also just to say, you are doing okay and keep going. It was also nice.
2: <laughs> no, I know, I, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh. Um, But we are again, like slowly but surely, um, running out of time today again. But I can't wait. There's a whole bunch of questions that I still want to get to before you go, Adal. But we'll get to those just after the ad break.
0: This is Bump and Beyond with Yulandi Becker. The show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Yes, if you've just joined me, you are on 101.9 High FM with me, Yulandi Becker, on Bump and Beyond. And today, specifically, we are talking baby wellness checkups at your wellness clinics, Um specifically with um Sister Adele de Biard, and it's been such a nice conversation. In the past, I've also had a discussion with a pediatrician about the checkups that you go for, and if you've missed that, please go look at our podcast and, of course, all of my other podcasts, if you've missed them. So I feel like we're, we're creating a nice library of parenting at these podcasts. And you can find these on highfm.com. Before we went to the break, Adal um, was mentioning, um, you know, why it's important and also how regularly you have to go. And it is helpful. Like I mentioned, for me, it was really helpful to go once a month because it just kind of made me feel – reassured <laughs> as a mom um that everything was okay and you know baby was feeding the way that they're supposed to and baby is growing and everything was great. But Adal, I mean I also mentioned earlier that you know you guys I think my clinic sister got a nice earful sometimes of the different issues. And it wasn't just it was definitely not just baby related. It was also or maybe not just vaccine-related or development-related. There was also some psychological things that definitely she had to listen to and prep me up and help me. But what are some of the most common kind of questions you have encountered with moms? Also, don't feel shy to share some interesting, funny ones. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay, <laughs> I'll try. Okay, so the the um the biggest question I think is um which some of the moms ask is do I have enough milk? Am okay. I producing enough enough milk? And I think I've touched on that. Yes, um I mean yeah, you know, as long as the baby's picking up enough weight and you feed regularly and the baby sleeps well, then obviously you do have enough milk. I don't think you have to, you know, measure or know exactly and this is not specifically um due to breastfeeding, but if your baby is a bottle-fed baby, then we actually work it out according to a formula because we take the baby's weight. <clears throat> so if you look at the formula terms, they actually give a guideline, but it's way too much um, than what the baby actually needs. And there's actually a study done that showed that um, they've taken, I don't know how many thousand children in the UK where they actually followed them from birth until one year of age. Um, just giving bottle feed, and whether it was expressed breast milk in the bottle or formula, it didn't matter. By a year, they were all obese, and that's oh, just wow. um, to do with no, uh, yeah, that's just to do with the fact that um, you actually um, a breastfed baby has got a skill to stop when they when they've had enough where a bottle-fed baby, we tend to overfeed them and the sensation that they associate um, that they are full is actually overfeeding. You know that Sunday lunch when you're so full that you actually can't sleep? Um, when your mom makes you a lacquer roast and all of that? Um, exactly. So we overfeed them. So that's where the concept um paste bottle feeding comes from. It's where you actually face the feet with the bottle when you give it to the baby, that if they um, shut their lips and they really don't want where they open their mouth, then you don't give that extra 20 or 30 mils. You leave it. Um, and then, like I say, we actually work out, according to a formula, how much milk um, the baby needs to consume per bottle and in 24 a 24-hour period. So that's just something interesting that you that you can think of. So if you don't know this and if you actually... Um, I have a bottle-fed baby, and you look on the on the formula guideline. Please don't stress if your baby don't consume that amount, because it's actually too much. Um, The other question that I usually get is when do we start with solids? So definitely, there's two there's two schools. It's the piece that say, and also new guideline and studies that show we start at four, four and a half months, so just not before 17 weeks of age. And then we also start with, um, vegetables, for instance, like pumpkin. We don't start with, um, with pup, for instance, cereals. Um, and then also what we can do is we can see, okay, what's the, what's the, um, cues of the baby for solids, if they're ready to start having solids. So the cues that we look out for is they need to be able to sit, even if it's with support. Um, they need to have a good head and neck control. Um, everything needs to go to their mouth, hands, everything. And they usually go through this oral phase where they rule a lot. Um, You have to use a lot of bips. And then the last thing is I always say you feel guilty to eat in front of them because they look the food out of your mouth. You actually want to go and stand around the corner and eat. So then you know, okay, my baby is ready. So that's usually between four and a half and five months of age um, that you can actually start with the solids, And then a the big question I think that you guys really help a lot with is um, how can I get my baby to sleep better or sleep through? Or I think that's the biggest thing as well. So then we obviously refer to you guys to good night just to um, assist with that because, I mean, there's a lot of factors that is involved in sleep Um so you need to look at routine and at um, habits and, um, you know, how old's the child yeah. and what's their comfort. You know, there's so many factors um, that's contributing to a good sleep environment and a sleep habit. So then we, we like to refer for that because that's a total speciality on its own.
1: Because
2: like, I think that's basically what I've got, yeah, that I actually see the biggest concerns at the moment.
1: No, oh, no, I mean, and it's nice. And it also gives us some nice other topics to talk about in the future as well. So we can talk specifically, I mean, it might have been appropriate to talk a little bit more about breastfeeding today, considering it is breastfeeding week this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But it is also, I mean, just the fact that you were talking about that formula, I breastfed my, both my kids for a very long time. And I remember with Oscar specifically when he was much older, um, I started giving um, formula um also only to top up, and I could very specifically remember looking at the um at the container and I was like he 's going to drink this much formula. I do not think so. <laughs> um, uh, okay. I was surprised at how much they wanted me to give him, and that was not the correct amount at all. He drank a lot less, but yes um uh, then for me also um interesting. I mean, you now mentioning also sleep and uh, also, to be honest, as good nights, we definitely love getting um, referrals from clinic sisters because we then also we, of course, also follow a holistic approach. And for us, it helps a lot because we know certain things have been ticked. This baby is growing. All is well with this baby. So we know that those basic things, which is also important and can affect sleep, can also have an impact. So, yes, thank you for the referrals. But we also love to get those referrals and do it vice versa in the end of the day. What are some of the things, though, that might be kind of red flags? I think maybe what you mentioned is specifically the weight gain. But what is... You know, something where you specifically would notice, oh, this is not normal and I have to refer out like most common red flags. Obviously there must be a lot of those type of things, but what is the most common kind of red flags that you look out for?
2: Because I think the biggest thing is actually the milestone development. So for instance, um, especially growth motors. So. For instance, they need to be able to roll at five months and sit at six months um, and at nine months they start crawling, and at 12 months they start walking. But they've got from six to nine months to sit and from nine to 12 months to um, crawl and from 12 months to 18 months to actually walk. So if it's out of that range, then we say, okay, no, there is definitely we need to refer so that we can... Um, just to help them to actually um, reach those milestones. And then also your language and your speech um, milestones where they need to start talking and making sounds. Um, And also can they hear, can they see? Um, I've got two babies that is actually deaf and I've got one blind. Yeah. So in the end, it's like the moms that, that actually realise. listen, yeah, but this child doesn't turn the head when, I'm talking or this um, baby doesn't follow me at all. So, you know, then it's like, okay, so maybe we see them before the people even saw them yeah. um, because it's, you know, two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And then we say, okay, no, please, please. Let's just um, refer and send to your pediatrician and let them just um, send to the right people to sort it out or specialist to sort it out. Um Yeah, so I
1: think um, we're very very running. Craig is giving me the stink eye. Um, Let's go to uh, ad break and then we'll finish up. But I'm learning again so much. It's been such a great talk already. Mm -hmm.
0: This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker. The show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: If you've just joined me, You've missed it. We've basically run out of time. But don't worry. Just like every week, this will be available as a podcast on highfm.com. And today specifically, we spoke to Sister Adal De Beer about uh, those wellness checkups, those red flags you need to look out, how to prepare for these things, and, and, and. But on that note, that is the specific question. My very last quick question, Adal, before you go is, What can moms do to prepare for these checkups? What do we need to do?
2: (laughs) Okay, so I always say don't expect the worst, and it's not as bad as Facebook says it is. So um, just have a comfort ready for after the vaccination, um, meaning a dummy or a breast or a bottle, just to um, comfort them and soothe them. Um, And then I think the biggest thing for me is not to give Bernardo before the time. Um, we only give Panada if the temperature goes above 38 degrees. There's actually a study that shows that um, Panada has got effect on the um, seroconversion, in other words, the build of antibodies um, from the vaccine. So especially with your epiomalophilus influenza B. So mm-hmm. you don't want to unnecessarily give Panada because the reason why we vaccinate is so that the children can have immunity and build antibodies. So a normal temperature is always 37.6. So anything above that, the 37.78 or 9 is a low grade fever. That's okay. They need to fight and they need to build some antibodies. But from 38 degrees, we can actually give, um, Sanado, yeah. If there's a temperature. And then there is some natural stuff that you can use, Vibercal. Um, it's a natural homeopathic, um, suppository that I like to use. It's got like chamomile in it. So that's quite safe and it's got no effect on the efficacy of the vaccines. Um, but also not to, you know, rub anything on the legs because, um, again, there isn't studies that show that it's got no effect on the efficacy of the vaccine. The only thing that actually has got a study is straw meal gel. So if we use anything, that's the only thing that I actually use because of that reason. It's just evidence-based. So if you work evidence-based, then obviously there's no space for any um Problems um, regarding negative, you know, side effects and so forth. So I think that's the biggest. Well, um, that's what they actually can expect from the visit, or what they can do to prepare. Um, yeah, you know, it's just to. And then I mean, it's a long visit, so they can feed and they can relax. They don't have to um, think it's going to be the end of the world at all.
1: Yeah. Adal, this has been so insightful. To be honest, I'm disappointed I don't have a baby to bring to you. <laughs> because it is, I mean, just the way you talk, you know what you're talking about. You have a soothing kind of manner to, to you, which I think lots of sisters do have because this is a passion. I always say your job is a passion for sure. So thank you so much for um, sharing your knowledge and your expertise today. It was much
2: appreciated. Thank you, Lonely. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Not a problem. So just like that again, the show has come to an end. Again, you can listen to this on our podcast on highfm.com. Um, we've talked very specifically about also, um, the, um, like the checkups and development and why it's important for to go check up. And even Adal was mentioning that sleep is one of the most common things that, um, parents also ask about. Um, When going for these checkups, Um, the the reality is, is that development um, is change within your baby. So technically your baby is changing all the time. And the biggest reason for a sleep regression, for instance, or the only reason for a sleep regression is changes. And that developmental change can have an impact on your baby's sleep. Um, unfortunately. More often than not, no, it is only a phase that your baby is going through. So when you go through these leaps or development phases, don't be surprised if your baby's sleep is affected by it. Um, please, of course, have a look at our website, um, goodnightbaby.co.za, if you want to have more information on these sleep regressions. But that is it for me for today. It was as always wonderful, to join you um, to join you on uh, the show today. If you have any questions or topics that we can discuss in the future, please don't hesitate to send us an email at bumpitbeyond at highfm.com. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. Let's lead by example for our children. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, enjoy your day.